Thanks for listening. Appreciate you being here. Follow me over on Spotify. That's where the new podcast is. That's where you can find me. That's where we can connect and you'll see all new future episodes. The link is below or you can just jump over to Spotify and search Grow With Kobe. And now let's get rolling with the next episode. Welcome to Grow With Kobe. Listen, this is a podcast that can help us navigate in a more skilled way the life that's in front of us as parents, partners, individuals, professionals, whatever applies to you. And if we can understand the skills that will help us to create as little collateral damage as possible, if we can focus on the things that will get us to the place where we wanna go, if we have mindfulness of the skills, we can seriously understand who we are, which means we can better connect with the people who are around us. So come with me. This is gonna be raw, it will be unfiltered, It will be vulnerable. We'll talk about successes. We'll talk about miserable failures. But most importantly, you're going to get authenticity from me and from all my guests. So come on, come with me. Let's all go together. Okay, guys, welcome to the next episode. I'm excited about this episode today. Uh, I have a friend of mine named Mike who's here. Mike and I are going to talk about just simple disconnection. Mike, right? That's what we're going to do. Just disconnection from our partners and what that can look like in terms of how we disconnect, but also how situational triggers, meaning situations that are really emotionally charged. We're going to talk about how those situational triggers contribute to disconnection in whatever way we, in, in whatever way we disconnect. But we're also going to walk through a formula that any person can use to assess um, the depth and the breadth of situations that are challenging for them currently in their life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going to just jump into okay. this and, and, and you and I had, you and I had talked previously, but um, j- just real quick, if you will share with, share with me, share with us, if you will, um, the, the disconnection, like, I guess the, 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 the dis- disconnection that you felt with, with your wife um, the last couple of months and, and, and what that looked like in terms of your emotional intimacy and and your connection your vulnerability okay well thanks thanks you know um the disconnection that i felt with my wife over the last couple of months has been you know due to like parenting issues so it's uh it's the way that i think that i've kind of been as a parent especially through uh, my addiction before i got into any kind of recovery okay. and uh so i had a huge uh, disconnection with um uh with my kids you know growing up i think i just uh had my way of doing things and, uh, and, you know, and I was living in addiction. It was just, I was parenting in the midst of addiction. And, uh, and so that, that, that was, a, you know, it just led to a lot of bad habits. Totally feel you there. It it so Mm -hmm. happens. Yes. Totally feel you. Now, um, yeah, I got into into recovery. We got into a much better place and then some things threw us off, I guess, maybe just to keep it kind of short COVID. And all the things that happened with COVID in March of 2020 and moving forward, kind yeah. of through through my recovery into uh, into a loop. I mean, I just was thrown for a loop. Uh, so I got back into got back into a good, better recovery because I started counseling back with you back in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, so we've just been going ever since then. But um, but even so, there have been things that have uh, have still been that that I've not really dealt with. And, um, and I guess that's to say that, uh, 
you know, my kids got into a new place because a lot of them are old. Now we have seven kids and four of them are older out of the house, living out of the house. And they have kind of come to a place where they have a lot of resentment, maybe a lot of resentment toward me, maybe towards things that I've done. And it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not. It doesn't matter whether it's justified or not. It matters. That's how they feel. And that's how they feel toward me. And so it's something that I have to deal with and Chris and my wife has to deal with. So, um, it's gotten to be a, a sort of thing that has just been a huge tension for us. Okay. Last time they came was in May of last year for Mother's Day. Uh, and then the next time they came was at Christmas of 2021. Uh, and so um, it was both times were very tense, very tense, very emotionally tense with my children at the okay. my older okay. children. And uh, so that led me to a lot of isolation. And so when I go into isolation, as any, anybody does, you know, you are saying to the people around you, I'm not available, you know, so I was just not, not only emotionally unavailable, but, um, unavailable for, um, you know, for anything, for, for connection with Chris, for connection with my kids, for a connection with people at work. And, but I was in denial about it as, as you know, as an addict is, because I thought, no, 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 I'm beyond disconnection. I'm, 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 I've gotten to know how to connect with Chris. And um, so I started letting a lot of things slip. I started letting my recovery slip and um, not in the same ways as when I was in addiction yep. in other ways that, that I just losing focus. Myself. Yeah. Lost focus. And yeah. I started telling myself, yeah, no, 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 I, I'm still okay. I'm still doing all right. I'm still, you know, counseling. I'm still working on this. I'm still journaling. I'm still doing a lot of these tools. I'm still working out, but yet that was there. That was present. So I've had this disconnection with Chris and, uh, and we kind of talked about this on a previous phone call about how um, getting to understand or listening to your, to uh, uh, one of your previous talks on codependency. Oh yeah. That kind of led me to see, Oh, Oh yeah. That's, that's a big part of, of where I've slipped here. So that's kind of gotten me into a better place. Now, the incident that I think we're going to talk about today was with, with my Zoom call with my colleagues. And I think that's where we're going to go. So, yeah. um, but th- that's kind of a little background on where, you know, where I've been coming from for the last several months and then uh, leading up to this incident that just happened this past week in a, in a staff meeting. Yeah. You know, I appreciate the context. I appreciate you sharing and your vulnerability, uh, Mike. It's, it's not easy to do that, but the truth is, is that when we can, when we can really just um, embrace courage and vulnerability, then that empowers us. It gives us the ability to move forward. When we take mm-hmm. responsibility, uh, that's mm-hmm. the best place. It's it's hard to get into that particular place, but once we are there, then moving forward can be so much more fluid and so much more effective. And that's in part what we're gonna do, we're, what we're gonna drill down on. And so as it relates to this, this situational trigger, um, I, I want to just give an outline to everybody who's listening, you know, that you and I have walked through because I'm convinced that no matter who you are in life, if, if we can evaluate the situations in life that are really challenging for us, okay, no matter what it is and no matter how ongoing that situation is or how uh, very brief in time that situation is, if we can evaluate our emotions thoroughly, if we can understand the, the average intensity of that situational trigger since it's shown up, if we can also day-to-day evaluate the height, the, the, the maximum intensity that that situational trigger is, 
we're also going to be a good place. If we can understand um, after the intensity, the frequency with which we feel that, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, but specifically how we consciously recognize its frequency through the day. And, and then if we go through the spike narrative and understanding how spike blows us up, right? He, how he tempts mm-hmm. us, how he shames us, how he makes mountains out of molehills, and then gets us to minimize, rationalize, and justify. That gives us a really good, um, like a really good glimpse at how much he's doing to foil our efforts in working through the situational trigger. And then lastly, being able to reality check those narratives from Spike will be an imperative tool to, to really be granted in reality about, mm-hmm. um, about what happened. So, so Mike, let's go ahead and just jump in to this, uh, to this situational trigger that, that, uh, that you've referenced. And let's have you just break down what happened. Okay. Well, I was in a staff meeting on Tuesday, just a couple of days ago. And, um, one of the staff, well, the, the, the discussion started to center on phones and kids having, so, so I'm a teacher. And so this started to center on uh, kids having phones in class. Now, this is across the country. This is a problem. Yeah. Uh, a few districts have figured it out, but ours hasn't. <clears throat> so we were talking about phones and teachers being discontent with them. And one of the teachers just stepped up and said, you know what? I'm so tired of these phones. I want to take every GD one of them. He took God's name in vain. And, you know, um, uh, he just out right there in public and that we were on a public, it was on a zoom call. It was, you know, there were 35, 40 teachers on that call. And he says, you know, I want to take, take every GD one of them in the back, smash them. And, you know, and I thought, I don't like that. I, I, I just thought, you know, I, I've never really stood up and somebody said something like that in a, in a phone, in a zoom call or in a, you know, in a face-to-face meeting, but I put in the chat, I was going to chat to him. Hey, you know what? Um, don't take God's name in face. He in vain, heathen just kind of joking around because yeah, yeah. I know the guy, but I thought, no, 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 this, I shouldn't chat just to him because he did this publicly. So I, so I put into chatting to everyone. Um, blessed be the name of God. I just put that blessed be the name of God. That's something Chris and I do like to ourselves. When we hear the name of God in vain, uh, we just say, blessed be the name of God. Okay. And um, so I put that in the chat and I was about to hit um, uh, enter. And I was like, started thinking of all the repercussions. Okay. What's going to happen? What are people going to say? What are they going to think? What are they, you know? And I just said, you know what, forget it. Boom. And hit enter and just sent it. And I, and and I looked at the screen and I could see people focusing on the chat because the chat just pops up, you know, when you're, when you're looking at it and so everybody's kind of focusing on that little pause from the, um, from the principal. And, and I just, and I had a little worry and I'll tell you what, we were about five minutes off of the end of the meeting. And so at the end of the meeting, I went, you know, got in my car and drove home. And as I was driving home, I said, I did the right thing. That was the right thing to do. I started uh-huh. thinking, okay, well, you know, what if they were talking about somebody who's like, who, who's like a friend of me or my family. And I just said, and I thought of you. And I said, what, what if somebody were like, starts talking mess about Kobe Mitchell, mm-hmm. or they're talking about my, you know, badly about my daughter or my son or my wife. Am I just going to stand there and say, oh, they don't really know what they're talking about. No, I mean, I'm going to st- I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, hey, wait a minute. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, you don't know, Kobe. you don't know, yeah. like I know you don't know my daughter. You don't know my wife, you know, you know, just totally. trying to get them to, to you know, check themselves. And, you know, and I'm just going to stand up and when and wherever that falls, wherever those chips fall. That's I, I realize that's where that's where I would be if it were you, another friend, my wife and kids. And I said, how much more so with God? You know, right. how much more so Makes with sense. God? I mean, I'm, just, I, I'm not going to say anything when somebody takes God's name in vain. I mean, for me, that was like, okay, that's a commandment. 
that's a big deal. That's not just like advice from a prophet, you know. So, so I'm a you know Christian. I'm a Catholic, and yeah. and you know that this is not just advice from a prophet or or you know one of the Psalms, one of Daniel's Psalms. This is like God's words. And I said, nope, that I I you're darn right. I did the right thing, and and so I'm not going to worry about wherever any ships fall. So I'm just I got to I yeah. got to the point on that drive home where I thought, nope, I'm good with it. I'm very good with it. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like it was a, I mean, it sounds like it was a fairly intense, uh, a fairly intense moment for mm-hmm. you. And, and um, did any of the, did any residual effect from the situational trigger um, show up the next day when you went back into work the following day? That night. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, that yeah, night. The next, uh, yeah. The next day. And then, well, that night, but, but more so the next day and the next night. So Wednesday, yesterday, day and yesterday night. So yesterday day. Yeah. I was worried about going into the teacher's lounge. I thought, okay, are they going to say, okay, here comes Mr. Holiness himself. You know, yeah. uh, all kind of just had worried. What, what are they going to think of me? They're not going to talk to me. They're going to point at me. And um, well, and then yesterday was Ash Wednesday. So I had like ashes on my forehead. Totally. I'm Catholic. We go, we go get ashes on our forehead totally. on Ash Wednesday. So yeah. there was that. Plus the fact that I just did this the day before. Yeah, there was just a, I mean, just a mountain of anxiety over me yesterday. I know we didn't talk yesterday. We, we talked, um, you know, earlier this week, but a mountain of anxiety in me yesterday, uh, you know, uh, after work. I mean, yesterday I went home and I went to bed at 645. You know, I just, you were spent, 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 absolutely spent. I mean, I went to bed at 645 PM. I had taken two Excedrin and I really don't take Excedrin. I I just, I, I, I stay away from them. I might take a handful a year. I oh, really okay. Try to stay away from that stuff. But so not last I night. Took, not last night. I mean, I took one like at two in the afternoon. I took another one at five. And I got home and had dinner and I said, Chris, I'm done. And so I just went, you know, and then I just went to bed and I was out and, you know, got up this morning and we worked out because we do our work at every morning. Yeah. So that was, that was great. But you asked, was there any emotional fallout yesterday? Absolutely. Oh man, brother. I just, that's intense. It sounds really intense. And um, no wonder, I mean, no wonder you went to bed as early as you did, because mm-hmm. that's, I mean, and, and I think that's, I think that really speaks to the overall intensity and, and sustained intensity of this situational trigger that you experienced. Mm-hmm. And man, that just had to have been tough. Mm-hmm. It had to have been tough and hard because oh, yeah. it was sustained, right? It was like a series of days. Where yeah. it was like, and and of course, being at work and then thinking like, Ooh, is this really going to be what, you know, um, I, I, I should say being at work, not knowing through the duration of the day, if someone's going to just pop into your room or say anything, or, you know, if, if uh, someone would, you know, want to ha- take a meeting with you, you know, administration or whatever the case is, um, or even the other, even the other, uh, the other uh, teacher. As well, I can imagine, and that this was this was intense. Okay, so so now you've teed up and 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 shared with us what that situational trigger is. Again, this is a situation that triggers intense emotions, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to I want you to go back to um, Mike a couple of years ago before recovery. What likely would have been the <clears throat> excuse me, what likely would have been the way or ways that you dealt with this high intensity situational trigger? 
Okay. Uh, well, I guess first off, I wouldn't have, uh, uh, that would not have uh, been, a, this wouldn't have been a trigger um, okay. in, in itself. I would not have, have, have put that in there. Bless be the name of God. I didn't know myself well enough to do something like that. I understand. But I would have had big triggers like that. I did have big triggers like that. And my way of dealing that would have been through acting out. Okay. Through, you know, I mean, I'm an addict. Yeah. And I would have been through acting out in my addiction, you know, okay. so I, and, 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 you know, and, and I don't, I don't have any shame around that because every addiction is just an addiction. It's just a way of dealing with things. Yes. So I don't yes. have any problem saying that. Yeah. And, and whether that is, and, and to be super fair and clear, it doesn't matter if, if, if that addiction is with, it doesn't matter if it's with social media or if it's with gambling or if it's with any kind of sexualized content it doesn't matter if it is with, um, you know, taking taking the emotions that you felt out on family, right? Mm-hmm. Kids or, or, or spouse, whatever. Like mm-hmm. every human has to learn how to deal with intense situational triggers. And sometimes we learn very early in life how to uh, how to deal with them. And, and, and in, in my case, that was super ineffective, right? Because I would mm-hmm. I would go to addiction. And acting out just to soothe myself, just to get myself to calm down and, and so forth. I can so identify with what you're saying on that. Okay, so now let's go to now we have the situational trigger kind of defined it as in, in its in its in its entirety. Um, let's talk about what um, I guess historically speaking, not in terms of the acting out, but let's talk about what the effect would have been between you and your wife. Okay. Well, you felt all this. What what would have happened in the past? The ebbs and the flows with with you and your wife during all this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would have looked to uh, acting out. I would have looked for um, you know sexualized images mm-hmm. uh, on the you know, on the computer. Sure. Uh, just thoughts going eighty miles, maybe million miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, that would have led to disconnection with my wife. That how would so? Have led to how so? Um, uh, you know, just maybe angry that would have showed up in me as like just angry in general, walking in the door, just being upset, being mad. Um, it may have led to me. Um, you were trying to get out and just do some work outside. I got to get this done. I've got to work on this. Just, tr- just not wanting to go and connect with my wife. Cause I just didn't have, I didn't feel capable of that. Okay. So was that even on your radar of- then? to lean into her and to share all that? Or was it just one of those things in your head where it's like the process is I just got to lump this. I got to get through it. And, and really was in the past, was your wife even um, an option for you to connect with, to decompress and, and walk through situations like this? Or did you just handle it yourself? I would say, no, she was not an option because I didn't okay. know how to do that. It was, that was I, the it same was as me. me, Mike. That was the same as me. I had yeah. zero idea what that looked like. I did not know how to connect with my wife. No, it no. was, I, yeah, I just had so much, well, you know, addiction leads to, uh, you know, codependency, making it all about me. It's always about me. And, you know, so I guess maybe the way I looked at it, you know, just thinking of that word codependency and about how that means it's about me is yeah. that for me, that would be saying, I don't know how to handle this situation. That's it's my problem. Because this is a situation, this is a problem that everybody faces. Everybody faces problems. And it's just at me that I'm so, I'm so bad and I'm so, you know, wicked and I'm so whatever the, the adjectives were, totally. you know, that 
it's just, it's all my fault that I can't deal with this. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not going to go and try to put this on Chris or I'm not, I don't even, I didn't even know how to connect with her. Oh, but I man. just know that be, yeah. because of addiction, I just said, this is all me. It's all on me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny too, cause we, it's not funny, but it's curious because um, you had referenced um, the episode on codependency that we had on the betrayed, mm-hmm. the addicted and the expert. And in that episode on codependency, you had referenced that, that, uh, that Brandon had shared that uh, addiction is an attachment disorder. It's an inability to emotionally attach in a healthy way to the, the loved ones who are in our inner circle in life. Mm-hmm. And that is an example. We just shared as an example of it. And, and the truth is, I have I have countless experiences in the same way of um, emotionally isolating myself, not knowingly, like I didn't understand I was doing it, but emotionally isolating myself from from uh, my my uh, my ex, my former partner, uh, for twenty one. Well, not for twenty one years, but for like 17, 18 of those years, I totally did all that. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, like you said, I didn't even know it was an option to work through that with her because I was so used to trying to figure it out myself. So um, I appreciate the context and the honesty with that because I, I get it and I know it and I know how real that is. So now we've, now we've articulated what that looks like. Okay. Let's walk through the formula of how to face situational triggers. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if, you know, your kid falls off his, his or her bike and breaks their arm, or if you get a speeding ticket or if you crash the car or, you know, if you bounce a check, doesn't matter. doesn't matter what the situation is. Everybody has it. But if we can be very strategic in exploring the situational trigger and using that as a means to connect with other people to find support, that's when we can win on this. So, so again, I'm just going to give the, the, the outline really quick again, and then we're going to walk through it. So in, in, in any situational trigger, evaluating the, the emotions that we feel, 12 or more emotions, and we have to use the feeling wheel to really understand the full depth and breadth of emotions. Okay. So the emotions we have to understand about it. And then we have to understand the intensity, the sustained intensity of it, as well as the heightened intensity of that situational trigger. And just a one to 10 scale, 10 being the highest, one being the lowest, how, how intense was it? And what was the average intensity of that situational trigger? And then how frequent was that, uh, was that situational trigger spinning through your head through the day? And it might be, once an hour, it might be constantly for the morning, but in the afternoon, it kind of kind of peters off. Um, once we identify the frequency with which that that situational trigger spins in our head, then we have to identify. And th- there's um, there's an episode about Spike that's previous to this that I walked through with um, with Lucy, um, and that's one that you can listen to to understand more of who Spike is. But Spike will tempt us. He will shame us. He'll make mountains out of molehills and he'll get us to minimize, rationalize, and justify. And and Spike will take that approach with any situational trigger because what he does not want is for us to connect with other people. He just does not want that. But once we identify how he addresses us in those particular ways, then we can go back. The last step here is to reality check his narrative. Okay. And, and those are the steps to get through this so that we can effectively understand, again, the total effect to the degree that we can, the total effect emotionally of whatever situational trigger that's facing us. And, um, and that will help us not only to connect, but it'll help us to sit in reality and to think through things logically. 
So let's let's start first with this situational trigger. Mike, pull out your feeling well, and let's have you just walk through, uh, again, the emotions that you feel on this. Now, again, just by way of reminder to everybody who's listening, and, and it, Mike, you're going to be using the feeling well, but number one, there's emotions aren't right or wrong. They're not good or bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't define us. And it's beautiful. You got it on your phone. I love it. That's yeah. awesome. And, um, and not only are they not right or wrong, good or bad, and they don't define us, but they just are things that we experience as human beings. We're emotional beings and we're meant to feel. That's why we have, you know, heart and soul and mind because we experience things just like we experience the seasons. Okay. And just like we experience uh, the, the elements that, that are in each season, they don't define us. Just because I'm cold outside doesn't mean I'm a cold person, right? So let's go through the emotions. Let's just have you list those 12 or more um, emotions. I'm going to just have you tear into it. Okay. Oh, well, the first thing I felt was, um, was fear. I felt fearful about saying something about, you know, pushing enter and, you know, putting myself out there as a person who feels this way. So just going through um, those, um, uh, well, there was fearful, anxious, uh, let's see, insecure, overwhelmed, weak, inferior, excluded, nervous, exposed. I also felt um, disgusted, uh, both with uh, the person who did this, as well as with myself for having doubts about standing up for this at the time. So disgusted, um, embarrassed, appalled, um, disappointed, nauseated, hesitant. Uh, and then I had some uh, sad feelings as well. I felt lonely, vulnerable, isolated, fragile, despair, again, embarrassed, disappointed, inferior. And, um, and I also did feel angry. I did feel some anger and uh, resentment toward uh, this particular teacher for saying that, for saying what he did. And so I felt some anger toward him. And yeah, I guess, you know, provoked is one of the words in here. Um, so, so yeah, that's about it. Okay. That's great. That's great. And again, the, the idea with that is, is, is now you have unearthed each one of those emotions. It's like turning over a stone and making certain that you have explored the depth and the breadth of that. So now that you've identified the emotions of it, what would you say on a scale one to 10, 10 being the highest, what was the average intensity that you felt from when you first hit enter until really today? I would say the average intensity of most of those emotions was probably around nine. It was a okay. nine. And so, so as a situational trigger, this situational trigger was about, was an average day-to-day at, at a nine. Not the highest, right. but that was the average. That's super intense, right. Mike. Right. That's so challenging. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, brother. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And no wonder, right. No wonder you went to bed at six 30. Cause you're like, I just can't anymore. Yeah. And, and I will say this big tip of the hat to you for going to bed early and recognizing, like, I got to get some sleep. Like I have to be able to clear my head. I got to rest. I just need some sleep because it'd be very easy to not it'd be very easy mm-hmm. to just kind of get through it and just, you know, find other means and ways, but very good self-awareness to say, I just got to go to sleep. That's a huge mm-hmm. one. 
So at the height, at, at the highest intensity, obviously your average intensity was a nine. The highest intensity obviously is going to be certainly a 10, correct? Sure. Okay. Yes. Okay. So how, and so, so we got the intensity part measured. Now let's measure mm-hmm. the frequency. Okay. Mm-hmm. So since you, since you hit enter in this chat, um, what was the frequency day to day that you would say that you felt um, that you felt the, the emotions of the situational trigger? Okay. 10 is like, uh, it's pervasive. I felt it all day, every day, even into the night. And one is like, I didn't feel it, it, it at all. Mm-hmm. So are you talking about the intensity or are we talking oh, about I beg your pardon, the frequency? The frequency. I beg your pardon. The I, said, I meant to say frequency. Yes. Thank you for catching yeah. me on that. Yeah. Um, I think I felt them uh, pretty much, um, you know, some of the, some of the ways we looked at was like hourly or constantly, I would say um, some of it was constant, you know, like the anxiety was just constant, maybe at a lower level, but it was just constantly there thinking, okay, um, my water's running out of my, I'm running out of water in my, um, my thermos. And so I need to go get, go to the water cooler to get some more water. Uh, so just the anxiety of that. So that would, that would tip it up. You know, I might be like sitting just like at a three in my intensity yeah. of it, but thinking about going to get water now, all of a sudden it's at a seven. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then when I get up to go walk out, then I, sometimes that might even help it because I know I'm going now. So, you know, so then, then that might even like reduce the intensity a little bit because I know that I'm going, I'm doing it where instead yeah. of just sitting in it, Oh shoot, you know, am I going to do this? What's going to happen if I, you know, sitting in that kind of thing really makes those situations worse yeah. rather than just maybe taking a step toward it. And I know you guys have talked about this on the, on the podcast, you guys talked about this on the podcast, taking a step toward it. I remember Brandon talking about that one. I can't remember which, which episode that was, but taking a step toward that, that, that thing that we fear yeah. is a way of, um, of starting to overcome that fear that we have and all the emotions and all the, the, the crap that goes with it, all of the anxiety and frustration and anger and uh, helplessness and worthlessness, et cetera, yeah. you know, taking a step toward it is really a, a way That's to start tough. getting around. That's, so, that takes so, so much courage, sure so much courage to do that. So, so we know how intense it was. You, you've, you've talked about how, how frequent it is like day to day. Now, wait, let me ask this question though. Did the frequency of that thought subside some when you left work or did the frequent, did it, was it still frequent in terms of kind of spinning in your head even after you left work? Kobe, that day that we're talking about was yesterday and I went yeah. to bed at 645. So okay. no, I was, it was still in my head. And, you know, okay. luckily, you know, I had my wife to talk to at night, you know, so I, I went into bed and I asked her if she could just sit on the bed and talk with me a little bit. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I connected with her, we talked and, you know, and she just, you know, she just, she could just see that I was like, it was like this little boy tucking this little boy into bed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, she even said so. And I, and I, and I knew that's where I was. I just needed that comfort. I needed yeah. to just know that, you know, I'm in a safe place and, and I, and I, and I really felt like I was. And, um, so having her to connect with before, you know, going to sleep was just, uh, that's a big thing. That's a big, yeah, that probably helped you go to sleep at the time that you went to sleep too. Right. Just to get, yeah. just to connect and, and, and share, share all the emotions and everything that's, that's correlated with it. Okay. So now let's talk about the spike narrative surrounding this. Okay. So again, spikes four functions are, he's going to tempt us He's going to shame us. He's going to make mountains out of molehills. He's going to blow things way out of proportion. 
And then he's going to get us to minimize, rationalize, and justify. And in each situational trigger, we're not always going to see spikes show up in each of those four functions, each of those four mm-hmm. ways. Okay. But let's just talk about, if you will, what what ways did you see spike tempt you, whether that is to um, whether that is to back down, tempt you to back down from what you said, whether that's tempting you to act out to disconnect, or whether that's tempting you to um, to to not connect with with your wife. How did you see how did you see temptation from Spike Shrub about this situational trigger? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to start on that, but I wanted to say one thing that yeah. that uh, that was my experience when I started doing this. Okay. I didn't understand what in the heck spike was. Yeah. I did not understand this whole it's thing. Obscure. It's obscure. It's obscure. Totally obscure. It was, it was some of the hardest work I've ever done in recovery is figuring out how is spike tempting me? What is this narrative going through my head? That is that, that what, what is the temptation narrative in my yeah. head right now? Okay. Some of the hardest work I've ever done in recovery. Okay. And Can you say one why? of the things. I didn't understand what the heck it was. Okay. I, I've never that even makes sense. never ex, never examined how what, what is this narrative running through my head. Never even examined it for, okay. you know, for forty six years of being in addiction. Yeah. I never even looked at that. But one of the things that that, that I kind of held on to going going forward with it is, is something that you said. I don't know which podcast it was on, but and it was one of the early ones where you said this that the work of recovery is easier than living in addiction then the work you have to do to keep up the lie, to keep up the pretense, to keep up all that stuff, the work of recovery is actually easier than all that work. And at first, when I heard you say it, I was like, no way. This is, yeah. this is way too hard. But on the totally. other hand, I knew this guy has recovered. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I knew that there, there was, it was, you, you definitely, I just believed it. I yeah. just believed. It. And I said, okay, I'm, then I'm going to keep working. That's great. So, I appreciate that 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 personal insight on that. That's because it. I I I completely identify with it. What you said, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so as far as temptation goes, you know, the spike narrative with temptation was like, okay, don't don't push that because you know, uh, people are gonna say this about you. They're gonna say that about you. They're gonna you know they're gonna call you you know Mister Holiness. They're gonna call you Mister Holy. Oh, here comes the holy guy. So everybody be quiet. We got to watch out what we're saying now. Uh, yeah. Those sorts of things tempting me to that, that there's going to be more fallout from this than it's worth. Yeah. You know, just, you know, you, you don't need any more. You've already got enough going on in your life. Things are already bad with, uh, with all these, you know, lockdowns and masks and, you know, mandates and all this kind of stuff. Um, they're already hard enough. Stuff is already hard enough. You don't need something else. So just let it go. So, um, so there was that, I don't know if that is really so much of a, of a temptation. To- well, I, I, the way that I look at this, it, and that's, this, that's a really, it, what's cool about it is to hear you rehearse what he put in your head, Mike, that just hit a number of the functions of spike. The first being Mike, he, he's tempting you to not live authentically. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, does that make sense? Like he's tempting you like, yeah. don't live authentically. Don't be yourself. Don't stand up for what you believe in. Don't do that. And and I promise you this, I lived so many years in an inauthentic way, not knowingly, but I lived so many years in an inauthentic way um, because I wasn't willing to, I didn't, I don't know who I was. And so, because I didn't really know who I was and nor did I embrace who I was, 
um, it was very easy for me to 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 falter amidst those temptations of of uh, of giving in that, that you just described, right? And oh, don't 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 say that. Okay, I won't say that. So certainly, there's a temptation there to not be the authentic you and stand for what you believe in. Okay, mm-hmm. but then you also talked about like Spike saying, like ah, uh, like what are they going to say? How are you going to deal with people right in in the in the teachers lounge or when you're approached by other like? what you just shared also counts as shaming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. shamed you, right? For, mm-hmm. for even, even being willing to, to, to have the thought and to push enter and to share that. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then also you can see how he, he made mountains and molehills in that situation, making it way worse, way scarier, way mm-hmm. more intense than what it actually was. Because has anybody said anything to you? No. Isn't that, isn't that interesting, right? How he gets us to think it's so scary. It's so big and don't do it, but that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And, um, and, and, you know, if, if we look at the minimize, rationalize and justify, I mean, you can tell obviously that, that Spike's getting you to minimize the importance of standing up for what you believe. And he's rationalizing um, your own authentic self and the way that you live. Right. It's not, yeah, you don't need to, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, can you see all those? Oh yeah. Like once absolutely. you share that narrative, how that narrative fits into each, not each one of those, but into, into multiple um, functions of spike and how he addresses us. Right. I wanted to say shame was a big one because it was like, who are you to say anything? You yeah. Know? I mean, that, that, that's the nerve was like, Mike, who are you to say this? You're, you're, you know, you're, you're nobody to say this. See, isn't you know, that horrible? That's just, oh. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, who do you think you are? Yeah. And, uh, but you know what, but I guess, I guess what it is, I know enough about myself. I know, I know myself enough to know, yeah, that is me. Yeah. That is who I am. I am the guy who says something, you know, in this case. Yeah. So. Mike, that's beautiful, man. Okay. So, so I know there's probably other spike narratives, but let's just take that that narrative that, that, that you just described. Now let's reality check that narrative that he just shared. Okay. okay. Meaning I want you to go back and say, okay, this is what he said, right? Don't do it. You'll, you know, ruffle feathers, blah, blah, blah. What's the reality that can um, fact check, if you will, what he said? Well, the reality is that there has been no fallout that nobody has said anything. I mean, so far, and I don't anticipate that there will be anything because it's, um, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, uh, it's really not that big of a deal because it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's not like I'm, you know, putting up, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a, a, a sermon on the 10 commandments in yeah. my room. I'm yeah. not like, you know, opening up the Bible, everybody turn your Bibles to page, you know, 14 and let's read the 10 commandments. You know, it's not like that. Yeah. So, um, the reality is that it's not a big deal and, and there's probably nothing is, is, is going to happen. And, and, and the reality is that if anything did happen, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm, I'm prepared for, for anything. Okay. It's, it's, I know who I am. I know that I guess it's just, a, I'm comfortable with, with what I did. And, yeah. I, and ultimately I am comfortable with what I did and I'm, I'm happy to move forward with it. Yeah. How, how, um, in, in terms of acceptance of what the reality was in contrast to the spike narrative, how easy and or hard was it to really accept and embrace the reality check that you did versus what spike said? 
Yeah. Um, well, I'm not sure I, I quite understand. How easy was it to reality yeah. check? Yeah. Well, how I, easy was it to accept what the reality was that nobody's nobody's going to care? Like, this isn't a big issue. How hard was it to accept that and internalize it so that you could you could emotionally calm down to the point of like, okay, this is going to be all right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, uh, I didn't really start thinking of reality checking until you actually mentioned that to me. I, I, I that wasn't on my radar to reality check it, yeah. uh, per se. Yeah. yeah. I, when you mentioned that to me, then I, I, then I started, that was yesterday. Um, or I can't remember if we talked yesterday. You know, we must've talked yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I realized, um, yeah, that's, uh, the reality is that, um, I mean, I'm comfortable with what I've said, and there's, there wasn't any follow yesterday. There wasn't any, you know, email, angry emails or anything like that. It could have been, yeah. but yeah. You know, people could have said something like that, but nobody did. Yeah. And it seems like it just kind of blew over, like, like I don't know, just like a leaf blown over. It was no big deal. Yeah. So I, I think that part, Mike, is really, really key to to reality check the spike narrative. To reality check, yeah. I mean, we're just reality checking fiction. This fear-laden right, fiction that Spike gives us, right? Mm-hmm. And, and once we can reality check it, and that's just such a critical piece on evaluating our situational triggers because the last thing we want to do is sit in and stay in and live in Spike's narrative because the I, I've said this, I don't know how many times on the podcast, but the biggest... The biggest lie told in humanity, according to me, according to Kobe, the biggest lie told in humanity is that is for, is by Spike, and it's it's Spike telling us that his narrative is our truth. Mm-hmm. His narrative is our reality, and it simply isn't. It is mm-hmm. not the case, and and so once we're able to really embrace the. Um, excuse me, embrace the reality of the situation, having fact-checked it, having reality check spike, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, wow, now I can calm down. Now I can move on. So once you went through this, the, the, these steps and evaluated this situational trigger, talk about where the intensity and the frequency of this is for you now. And when you shared it with Chris, what was the effect for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the intensity of it now is it's a lot lower. I there's, I mean, I may be at a two right now. Yeah. It, it's it's on my radar. It's kind of there, but it's not a big deal to me. I'm perfectly comfortable going to the going to the teacher's lounge to fill up my water bottle, um, heating up my food or whatever it is I'm going to do. Seeing people in the in the office, I'm just I'm not worried about it at all anymore. Um, and the second part of your question was about. Chris about what she yeah how how did how did the connection with Chris in you walking through this this reality check okay these when you evaluated the the emotions the intensity the frequency the spike narrative and the reality how did that help you and Chris to come together mm-hmm. yeah it absolutely did well because I have to be vulnerable and and that's really how it helped me and Chris Chris and I to come together was that. Whenever I'm vulnerable with her, whenever she's vulnerable with me, whenever spouses are, or partners are vulnerable with each other, that builds connection because there's trust. Because you're, you know, in order, in order to be, in order, in, when you're being vulnerable, implicit in that is I trust you. I trust you to, to take this vulnerability and not stomp on it, not use it against me. And then when she 
when she responds in that way by saying, yes, you know, I'm here for you. I'm listening to you. I'm hearing you and I'm responding to you. Then I'm you just trust just, um, I mean, it's, it's like exponential. It's, it's, it's just an exponential tr- trust builder. So it starts with, with me. It started with me being vulnerable and sharing that with yeah. her. And then, but it has to be reciprocated by her in saying, yeah, you know, I'm going to be here for you. Oh and, man, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it, it's, so it's work on both sides. I mean, recovery is work on both sides. It's not just a guy doing his recovery or a woman doing her recovery. There's yeah. going to be recovery on both sides. And there has to be this, this, um, this vulnerability on both sides. And there that has leads to, to be that this, leads to connection because the yeah. opposite of addiction is connection. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's not sobriety. Right. It's it's connection. It's and connection. when we have right. connection, um, the the need, the pull to act out, to withdraw, to shut down, that just that just dissipates. It's mm-hmm. not gonna up and disappear, but it but mm-hmm. the intensity of that pull will greatly dissipate. Um the, and, and therefore um we can we can stay in connection with uh, with our person and mm-hmm. uh or not just our person but the people who are us in our support network because a lot of people just don't have a person but they'll have uh an inner circle that that right. can be their support network as well sure um yeah mike this um this is a beautiful example and case study of how to stay focused it's a beautiful example of how to plow through hard moments but now that you have this this formula to evaluate your situational triggers. And, and again, just want to be really clear. This isn't just for really intense situational triggers. This can be done for uh, like a little argument with, with, with the kids, or this can be done with, um, you know, uh, a hard commute home. Right. But, but that's of little consequence. But if we can, again, walk through these, Walk through this formula with the, with the situations that are challenging, right? Whether we've got to get the get the uh, the taxes mailed off, or we've got to get you know the the house cleaned up because we're having company. Each each situation is going to bring its own its own set of challenges. But if we can again analyze those through the steps, it's going to put us in a really great situation to improve our standing um, with ourselves, with our higher power. But also with the people that we love in life, and you've just, you know, you've done a brilliant job of demonstrating that, Mike. So well, thanks. Huge tip of the hat to you for doing that, and tip of the hat to your wife for for supporting you and being there. So, um, yeah. Mike, just really, really proud of you. Any other thoughts before we before we wrap, Mike? Any other thoughts that you have um, or wanted to share surrounding this 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 situational trigger uh, really evaluation? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's what you mentioned here uh, at the end. You know, this can be used for any uh, any situation, whether it's an argument with kids or something that I had to come down on them about, or a hard commute home, or <laughs> a sprinkler that doesn't work. I'm trying to fix sprinklers in the front yard and I can't get it done. Totally. Yeah, totally can be used for all those things. But I know one of the things that you taught me early on in journaling was to take one or two, one or two things in the day that just had a lot of emotions surrounding it. And I think that's the key. So I might've had five things happen during the day and maybe one built upon the other, but I, I don't need to take all five of those and go through this whole process. That's going to exhaust me. Yeah. But if I just take one of them and one or two and do this process on it, I can start getting to know myself a whole lot better. Oh man, so, that's awesome. 
Yeah. So I, it, well, that was your advice to me from the beginning. And, it, yeah. and it's, you even made a, made a, a YouTube video on that. Yeah. And I recall you just, I mean, I must've watched, I might've been like 30 other views on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but I remember you saying, I just take one or two things that have a lot of emotions surrounding it and just, you know, and just write out your emotions on those. And then taking that, it, you didn't go over these quite what we went over today, but you and yeah. I just went over on this call, but, but taking it and just kind of, um, kind of digging down or, you know, drilling down and, and doing all these different parts to it, the intensity, how yeah. often, and then what was the spike narrative in the different, in the different areas doing that, you can really get to know yourself a lot better. Oh man, so, for sure. Thanks so and much for and this. Yeah, absolutely. And especially when we talk about, um, uh, a drive home. Okay. A, a drive home can be a really great way to, to mentally walk through this formula about any intense situations that took place that day or any intense situations that are ongoing, okay, day to day. And it doesn't need to be a, a huge discussion, doesn't need to be a huge download, but if we can be uh, mindful of, of those things and walk through them, like you said, to know ourselves, then if we know ourselves and we understand what the reality is about the intense situational trigger, then that puts us in a place where we can connect with the people that will lead to um, successfully maneuvering through hard situations in life. So, um, appreciate your vulnerability and appreciate you being here, Mike. Sure. Um, it's, uh, it's really cool to see all of your growth. I, I have enormous respect for you and, and give you, give you due props because of your commitment to recovery, your commitment to yourself. And, you know, I, I have to say that no one is, uh, you know, your wife isn't behind you cracking a whip saying you got to do this. You're self-motivated. And um, that really is just an indicator, Mike, of, of where your heart is and where your soul is on this to be the best to you. So can't, can't give you enough props for that. So job well done, Mike, honestly. Thanks so much, Kobe. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I really, so. I really uh, appreciate uh, all that you've you know, done helping me and with counseling. And uh, yeah, you've really gotten me into the, just these great habits, this, this skill set, as you know, as you called it, I still remember that first, uh, that first video that, you yeah. know, it's a skill set. The recovery is, is. is largely a skill set. It is definitely one of those. And um, yeah. it's, it's available for all. I wouldn't ever, you know, I would never wish addiction on anybody, but because mm -hmm. of this situation, because of the skills that are involved in it, I, that's why I wish recovery on every person, mm -hmm. recovery on every person Absolutely. because of the skill sets that are involved as well as the level of mindfulness that it takes to successfully maneuver, maneuver through it. So um, totally again, Mike, thanks so much for being here, guys. Appreciate you listening. Love to have you subscribe and like, um, and, uh, and share the episode. So, uh, again, appreciate you being here and we'll uh, see you again. Thanks Mike. All right. Thank you. Cheers. It was so good having you really glad you're here. Please share this episode. If anything spoke to you, and if you like what you heard, subscribe. Love to hear from you. Also, if you would like to join me on an episode to walk through any kind of situation or scenario that's been really tough and challenging in life, go to growwithkobe.com and click on the email button and send me an email and let me know what your situation is, what you'd like to talk about, what you'd like to talk through, and you may be the person that I invite to join me on an episode over Zoom, and we can just walk through it based upon the skills of the episode. Thanks for being here, guys. Talk soon.